everybody, this is Heather Bonham. I'm coming to you from my car again for the Midlife Best Book Club. And I also am using this as episode 097 of the Midlife Best Podcast. And so welcome, and I'm glad that you're here. I know that I have been doing these on Tuesday evenings, but Tuesday just did not work for me this week. So publishing on a Wednesday this week and a little bit earlier. Um, we'll see what happens with the lighting, but I do have my little lamp here too as well. So it's that time of year where it gets dark early still, but um, hopefully we'll be able to use some natural light. And this episode is not going to run super long um, because the material is not that much this week. So even though we're doing four chapters, it's really a pretty short part of the book. And this week is um, second, I'm, I'm upside down and backwards. And actually, Facebook didn't give me the option to flip the screen. So this is probably going to come out backwards for you. If any of you are experts, by the way, in Facebook Live, let me know how come sometimes I am given the option to have this little tool thing and I can flip the screen so that it looks correct for you. Other times that doesn't pop up. So, it's probably going to be backwards, but we are on How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. We've been working through this book for a couple of months now, and next week will be the end. And it has been a great journey. It's been a nice, long book study. Um, and for me, this has held me accountable that I've been going through the material because this is a lot of material. And so it's easy to just put it aside and not read it, but I definitely am glad that I've gone through it and I hope that you are as well. Um, before we get started, just to remind you, I always like to remind people at the beginning of my podcasts or my videos that you can always contact me at heather at midlifebest.com. And I'd like to hear your ideas, your suggestions and feedback. Um, and also let you know that my writing and my purpose with the work that I'm doing here is to help people who are in midlife, like myself, um, to figure out what their next big thing is. Because I think that we have a lot available to offer and we still have a lot to do by the time we get to midlife. Um, so personally, I changed careers. I actually went back to school in my mid to late 30s and then changed careers uh, started teaching at the age of 41 and I joked that I was the oldest student teacher in history but I was not uh, I was in my late 30s when I did my student teaching but I know so many people teachers specifically who have gone back to school and who did make career change and a lot of times it's because what we wanted to do when we were in college has maybe changed um, or maybe we didn't go to college at the beginning and then we did later uh, for me, my chosen career path kind of changed over time and then I had kids and so that was a big life change. And so I did make that change. But then also I wanted to write and I wrote a book called Study Skills Survival Guide. It's a small little book. You can find it on Amazon, but that was a lifelong dream for me to publish something. And then I did a, a little republish of a vintage devotional book that I did not write, but I just got it ready for Amazon. And um, so I, I do writing projects also on the side and I'm working on some other projects for this year. So I believe that we have 
for many of us, this next big thing and midlife is this perfect time and you hear about people having a midlife crisis. Well, I think that's a sign that a lot of times people felt stuck and they felt like they had more to give and more to do and they had um, a feeling that wasn't being met or that wasn't being fulfilled. And so when I talk about the next big thing and that's kind of my my thing that I'm always saying is that it might be a career change or going back to school, but it might be starting a business or it might be having time and money often um, that you can devote to a hobby or a creative pursuit. So maybe it's art or music or writing. Um, maybe like me, another thing that I discovered is walking, hiking out in the woods, in the mountains. I don't do long trips. I don't have an aspiration to hike these long distance trails, but I would like to hike parts of them. And I read about hiking and, you know, it's something that I never knew. For one thing, I grew up in the Midwest, so we didn't really have a lot of hiking. Um, but I just, I didn't know that I liked that. And now I do. So I have a little more, at least time and money that I can devote to some of these things because I'm a little more established career-wise. My kids are older um, and my husband's busy with work and business and all of those things too. And so that's where I think a lot of us are in midlife. And so this, this book study, this is a project that I've really enjoyed doing, but um, this book is not specifically relevant only to people in midlife. This book is certainly for people of all ages. So back to the book. This is part four of the book and the last part. And this is divided into nine chapters, but don't be fooled. They are very short chapters. Um, and so it goes by really quickly. Some of these chapters are only six pages, four pages. You know, just, they go really quickly. And as always through the book, a lot of it is anecdote. A lot of it is stories that Dale Carnegie tells. Um, and most of them are relevant, although with a caveat that I'll bring up in a minute. So part four, these four chapters, and then next week we'll do five through nine. Number one is if you must find fault, this is the way to begin. Number two, how to criticize and not be hated for it. Chapter three, talk about your own mistakes first. And chapter four, no one likes to take orders. Now this whole part, part four is in the sub, in the heading of be a leader, how to change people without giving offense or arousing resentment. And I said last time, when he says leadership, it's very broad. He's not necessarily talking about um, people who are a boss. It's very much about parenting, very much about leadership in your community, in your church, in any way. So it's all of us really. Uh, and so this leadership that he's talking about is not necessarily that you are in charge of people's employment, although it's very relevant if you are a boss, if you are a manager, if you have employees of any kind. Um, so if you must find fault, this is the way to begin. And he just talks as always about stories, about presidents, about people who are high up in the country, including President Lincoln. And then he tells, um, actually earlier, he tells a little story about President Coolidge. Now, this is my caveat. This is where you see something that's dated in the book. 
So much of this book is universal and timeless. But let me read this little excerpt and then you'll you'll get it right away. I won't even have to say. He says, a friend of mine was a guest at the White House for a weekend during the administration of Calvin Coolidge. Drifting into the president's private office, he heard Coolidge say to one of his secretaries, quote, that's a pretty dress you're wearing this morning and you are a very attractive young woman, end quote. And he's saying that the secretary then blushed and then he said to her, quote again, now don't get stuck up. I just said that to make you feel good. From now on, I wish you would be a little bit more careful with your punctuation, end quote. I'm just going to pause here. Can you see how in today's climate that would not be appropriate for a president to say to a young secretary? But in those times, um, that things were, were different. Times were different. So the point of this is that you could begin with praise and honest appreciation. Um, I've heard this called the sandwich technique where you start with a compliment or praise, you give your criticism in the middle, and then the other end of the sandwich is another positive comment. So, you know, you think of the Oreo cookie. Um, I've heard that. It's a little different from this, but I'm sure there's truth to that. Uh, but let's not go complimenting people in any way that might be inappropriate. And I know in today's climate that it can be hard to know what's appropriate and what's not and what might offend somebody, but I'm pretty sure that we need to not go around telling people how attractive they are in the workplace. Um, so that being said, but he does talk in here about starting with honest. And he always says throughout this book, when you say nice things to people, they should be true. They should be real compliments. They should be genuine. So these are not fake things to butter people up and to try to kind of work your way into getting um, someone to do your bidding. It's really about appreciating them and noticing the good things that they do. And that always has a place appropriately. Chapter two, how to criticize and not be hated for it. This is interesting. And he says the real answer to that is to call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. So instead of being confrontational, we were warned against that earlier in the book about being confrontational, about trying to push because oftentimes the reaction is a push back. So if you go into something too strong and attack the other person, whether you feel like you're attacking them or not, but if they feel attacked, they're going to try to defend themselves. They're going to try to justify and rationalize why they did whatever they did. And their natural instinct oftentimes is to come back at you and resist either passively or aggressively. And you don't want those things. Those are not really helpful. And so how to criticize and not be hated for it. He gives a really interesting, and I like this one, a story about Charles Schwab. And again, it's dated because we don't view smoking the way that they did many years ago when they thought it was good for you and when they thought people should smoke while pregnant because it would be healthy. Yeah. So another thing that's slightly dated, but I like the tact and the style of Charles Schwab. So even though I don't condone smoking, I'm going to still tell this story that 
he went through one of his steel mills and they had a no smoking sign up. And there were men who were on their break and they were smoking near the no smoking sign. And Charles Schwab, who's the boss, does not go and criticize these men directly. He does not confront this group of men and try to show that he's the boss and show his power. What he does, and this is interesting, is he has some expensive cigars and he hands them out to the gentleman. So now they're getting a gift from the boss. But then when he hands them out, he just says that he would appreciate that they save them for later and smoke them where they're allowed. And I thought that takes some thought process far greater than just going after these men and saying, hey, I'm the boss. Don't you see the no smoking sign? That is an instantaneous reaction. That doesn't take any thought. That's just enforcing the rules. And sometimes there's a place for that. Absolutely. I've seen good administrators do this with kids. I have probably at times been able to do this and at times I have failed. So it does take thought and it also takes self-control. It takes the person, um, they have to be able to not get angry and overreact. So Charles Schwab didn't, he didn't get mad in this situation, but it takes that, that the person has some self-control and management of their own emotions to not get upset and to approach this in a new, in a new way, in a new manner. But that is a skill I think that could be developed over time, but we would have to approach situations with, with thought and to, to take that breath and step back and say, what are they doing that I don't want them to do? And then how could I approach that differently? So I like that. Um, he tells another story in here about a mayor uh, who wanted to have an open door policy and the secretaries were never letting people in. And, I, and I'm sure they were trying to do the right thing. He actually took the door off the hinges. And that indirectly said to everyone that he really wanted that policy to be true. And um, so these are things that you never know when a situation's gonna come up that might require a very creative solution. But by drawing attention to quote, wrong or bad behavior indirectly, gently, it can be very effective. And it is in these stories. I'm sure it would not work all the time. I don't think that all of our law enforcement officers could go around and constantly indirectly call attention to people who are doing things that they're not supposed to do. I mean, sometimes a rule is a rule and they just can't break it. But other times that could be very effective. So this is when you're reading this book and, and books like this, there's there it's a toolbox. This is a group of strategies and techniques and new thought processes really for many of us um, that might come in handy. Just like the the palette of watercolor paints when you're a kid, you know, you know the palette, the Crayola palettes of watercolor paints where all of the colors are in their little pots and all of the colors are in a row. And sometimes, well, when they're brand new, they're beautiful, but sometimes they get all messy. And sometimes you use one color more than the others. And so that is like down to the pan and it's almost gone. And you still have these other colors that you can choose from, but they don't wear evenly. 
we don't use all of our tools evenly. Sometimes that's because we're not being creative and making the effort to use all the tools creatively. Other times there are just certain situations that seem to call for a certain tool or a certain set of tools or skills, soft skills, people skills that maybe we're using over and over because it works, but we also haven't tried these other things. So keep an open mind. I'm definitely trying to do that. Sometimes it'll be effective and sometimes it'll fail, but it's worth a shot. Chapter three is talk about your own mistakes first. And he says, do that before you criticize the other person. He gives an example here of when his young niece was out of high school and came to be a secretary for him. And she was doing a lot of things wrong, but he made sure when he was helping her to learn her first real job that he told her about his own failures and his own mistakes. And he humanized himself and let her know that he didn't think that he was perfect. And certainly with any, any boss, I, I was having a conversation with a colleague that, um, it's good to know in the teaching field when we've had a boss who's been in our shoes. And when you're working for someone who, you know, has been through what you've been through and probably has made some of the same mistakes or had some of the same challenges, it does make it more easy to communicate with that boss and to take their criticism and their suggestions, not necessarily just criticism, but opportunities for growth. It's hard to do if you think that person has never been in your shoes or if it's been so long that they're out of touch with what's going on. So I think, yes, in terms of bosses, but certainly in terms of our own children, in terms of even our friends to say, yeah, I've messed up in that area too. I've, I've either made that mistake or another mistake that was worse because we all have to treat each other with kindness and admitting our own mistakes is part of that. And that's hard. Sometimes that's really hard to do. He talks about some military things, you know, things from Germany and stuff that we probably, a lot of us probably don't really study anymore. Um, but just a lot of good suggestions in here talks about, 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 about boss, ah, stuttered over that, about a boss who was dealing with his secretary who was not being, and just snapped them, um, like a heavy book or something. I'm not sure. And they fell, but I put my hand out, the kid gave me the glass and then we found the rest of it and no one got cut. But my point in that is that when I say, when I put my hand out to a student and I say, give me the broken glass, don't play with the broken glass. Don't throw the broken glass. Don't do anything except put that broken glass in my hand. If I had the trash can closer, but it was on the other side of the room, I would have grabbed the trash can and said, drop it in the trash can. I could tell it wasn't shards of glass. I could really tell it wasn't going to cut me. And I'm pretty sure it wasn't going to cut the child either, but I'm not going to take a chance if possible. So yes, those are times when we need direct orders. If and this is another example, but driving on the road, we've seen a couple times lately on the commutes where there's been a fire truck or there's been an ambulance or there's been a police car. We all know you have to move your car over. They need to get through. It's a narrow road. It's a windy road, whatever it is. They have to be able to get through. They don't even have to give those orders. 
really. They don't have to come on their, their speaker system and say anything. People know. But that's just something that has to be done. There are things like that. And any of you who are parents are going to say, yeah, there are times when in the past or even now, depending on how old your kids are, there are times when you have to give orders. And that's okay. But he doesn't say you can never give orders. He says no one likes to take orders. And there's a difference. Sometimes it's necessary. Um, But he talks about in here just some examples of people giving orders and how that doesn't go over well and how it really works better if you can ask someone's opinion or let them feel like they're part of the decision. Ask them for suggestions if possible. If you know what the end goal is, especially working with adults, which is different, of course, from working with children. But if you're working with adults and you need to meet some kind of a deadline at work or you have a goal as a team, something that you have to achieve, maybe they will have suggestions on how to do it instead of just dictating to them. And delegation is a super important skill for people who are managers and bosses, but delegation also is an art form. Bossing people around is not necessarily effective delegation because there is a place for, especially within a team format, there's a place for finding out who has what skills and letting them figure out who's going to do what role in this project or what job. So it takes some finesse. It takes some balance. Um, But he does talk about how a, a student resented an instructor because the instructor was really rude and yelled at the student. Uh, a college situation, someone's car was parked in the wrong place and the instructor basically humiliated this young adult student. It doesn't say how old, but it, he said a teacher at a vocational school. So I'm assuming a college age, typical college age student, embarrassed this young person in front of everybody and screamed at them instead of saying, we have a problem with the parking situation. Anybody who's parked, if you could just move your car. So a lot of times when this can come in in handy and when it can be appropriate. So I want to just recap this and then we'll be done for this week. And I knew it would go pretty fast, but he says in a nutshell, be a leader. And this is what he says leadership really is and should be and can be. A leader's job often includes changing your people's attitudes and behavior. Some suggestions to accomplish this. So we did the first four principles. Begin with praise and honest appreciation. Call attention to people's mistakes indirectly. Talk about your own mistakes before criticizing the other person and ask questions instead of giving direct orders. So that's it for this week. We will finish the book next week. So it will be part four, chapter, chapters five through nine, and then we'll wrap up. After that, I am probably going to go with regular podcast episodes for a little while. Um, There are definitely several good books out there that we could do another book club with, but we might switch over to regular podcast episodes and maybe do, we'll mix things up. We'll see where it goes. So I'm not going to have you 
prepare for another book club yet. We're just going to finish this one out and we'll see what, we'll see what happens. So with that, I truly do hope that this has been informative, interesting, that you've gotten something out of this because I really have. And it's, it's been great. I've been enjoying it a lot. Have a great week and I will talk to you again soon.